Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hedge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, uh, thank you for trying something new. I do go through this every single time. It is not a recording. I'm doing it live. Um, And I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we're also very good friends. Ben, take a handle of this podcast. Tell them where they can find your stuff. Go for it, buddy. Uh, you can find my work at Car Driver, at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, Automotive News, and Nouveau Magazine. Ben, we've got some cars to talk about as usual, right? That's correct. Uh, okay. I also want to point out this is episode 299, Sammy. Ooh. Is something going to happen when we hit 300? I don't know. It's like, you know, when the odometer on your car is like getting to a milestone. Like 100,000 miles or like 666,666 miles. But you can't stop to take a picture of it? That's what the podcast is like. You don't know. Just keep going. I was going to say it's more like you don't know the significance of that milestone. Like you know you should celebrate it because society. But also it's – what is it? Is it a paper anniversary? Is it gold? Is it copper? I I don't know the details. So I think it's kind of like that. So yeah, this is is episode 299, which means before the end of this year – I think we have one more episode left in 2022. We will have hit 300 episodes. I'm worried about it. I think we should stop talking about the number of the episodes because people will start being like, ah, we, I've, I've heard them all. I'm tuning out now. Are, are you the, the higher that? the numbers, people are going to get worried because we're not fresh and with it. We're going to be uh, a skewed perspective on, from 300 past episodes. Are you worried there's going to be some kind of Twilight Zone intervention where we don't get the 300 because we said 300 like something ha- like next week the global internet goes down forever and then people will, will be you know well you know years later they determined it was because a pair of podcast hosts flushed with their own success and pride made the mistake of talking about an episode that hadn't happened yet yes i think that's true i also think that um we should just skip, we should we should, me and you should should record a episode 300 and just not release it and then whenever the whenever the podcast has reached its end, whatever that might may be, that's going to be the last episode. So I think that rare... would be really disappointing for everybody. <laughs> very, very confusing. I think that's the way it should be. Um, we're going to talk about cars today. Is that what we're doing again? Yeah, we're going to turn the gaze away from. Why don't we? Tr- we've had two the inward gaze back onto the car, car industry. <laughs> There's been too many episodes where we talk about cars. Don't we want to talk about something else? No, Sammy, that's really not getting to episode 300 energy. I'm going to need you. To, <laughs> I'm going to need you to turn your gaze back to the automotive industry for a okay, second. Okay, okay, here we go. Let me just uh, let me just dial it in. Let me uh, turn turn this dial here. For those of you who don't know, Sammy podcasts from one of those really hardcore gaming chairs that's designed to keep you in place for i i don't know he doesn't really have a, a rig that can shake him around but it's pretty intense i've, I've seen it a couple of times he let me into what he calls his uh, master suite uh i i think i may have been the second or third human being allowed in that room judging, yeah. judging by the content of the stale air that i was breathing but uh, yeah it's an impressive chair it is a very anyways i'm dialed in for automotive content conversation now so let's go for it you drove a new electric vehicle which is something that we've been doing all year long well it's not new and, though well a new to new to you well it's new in the sense that they had to stop selling it for most of this year because it kept <laughs> catching fire <laughs> so yeah people might have forgotten that it existed uh the whole fire thing wasn't its fault i mean i guess globally what do you mean it's not its fault well, I mean, it was, you mean this this car was not sitting there with 
you know, a set of matches and something very flammable being like, Haha, I'm going to set my Yeah, it wasn't fire. like it wasn't like a crazy backwards bonfire. It was yeah. LG, which is a, a large, I believe they're a Korean company. Uh, they do a ton of things, a huge industrial company. And one of those things is build batteries. And they were supplying General Motors with batteries that turned out to be pretty unsafe. Uh, so the I'm talking, of course, about the Chevrolet Bolt. Specifically, I'm talking about the Bolt EUV, the electric utility vehicle. There's a whole bunch of funny stuff wrapped up in that acronym. Uh, The important thing, though, is that these batteries are gone. They have been replaced by batteries that are totally safe. Is it from LG still? That's a good question. I did not dig down into that. That's fine. You didn't peel back the multiple layers of protection. Every time, yeah, I didn't. I didn't crack the case on the battery. You peel back the label, and it's just LG underneath. And I, didn't, I didn't want that to be my story. But uh, so EUV, Sammy, what does that mean to you when you hear those terms? Unfortunately, I suggest that it would it would say electric utility vehicle, which suggests that all other electric SUVs aren't this. Right? Aren't aren't what they say they are. Well, I I would agree that it would indicate utility vehicle, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that seems and, and usually when we think utility vehicle, so the, the regular bolt is a hatchback. It's pretty useful. It's not huge. It's not tiny, but it's you know, it's it's what compact cars used to be before they became mid-sized cars, I guess. Um <laughs> the EUV, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, this is going to be more useful than the hatchback. Now yeah. That is not electric nec- looking, electric usable vehicle. Yes, that <laughs> is not necessarily true. And I'm going to tell you why. So when you look at the EUV, it certainly has a somewhat different appearance than the Bolt. It, it still looks like a hatchback, but it's bulkier. It kind of maybe looks like it rides higher, but it doesn't. It doesn't have all wheel drive. It's the same. It, the, the drivetrain is identical. Uh, yes. And- the, so these are all the character you you're not, you're running through all of the characteristics of what is commonly found on a utility vehicle and dismissing them all. Well, the Bolt lack the Bolt EUV lacks them all. What it does have is like a 6.3 additional inches of length overall for the vehicle. All of that is concentrated uh, yeah. in the rear seat. So you get into the back of the EUV and you can actually stretch out. It is pretty comfortable for adults. That's not necessarily true of a lot of smaller hatchbacks. So if your definition of utility is exclusively like- targeted at rear seat room, you're going to be happy with the with the EUV. Because in terms of... We should co- just call this the Bolt Long Wheelbase, LWB. Everyone loves that. Everyone loves that yeah, acronym. but you couldn't have had like ELB, like electric long base. <laughs> but I, okay, I can't spell. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. Professional writer can't spell. I feel like I'm at a 12-step program for, okay, okay. for people who can't put words on paper. They would have had to put an e. Uh, do you think it would be an uh, an uppercase or a lowercase e if they were going to really call this? What car did the I just e? say about my spelling ability? That's true. <laughs> Why do you got to drive it home? So you'd think that and a utility vehicle would have more cargo space in addition to having more rear leg room. This of course, is, it's not the part case. Of the, part of the package in utility is additional. Uh, practicality, right? No, not really. It's actually a tiny bit smaller than oh. the regular Bolt in terms of cargo space. I mean, a Electric small bit, like, vehicle. like a half cubic foot or something like that. I, I'm going to, I don't remember off the top of my head how many cubic feet it has. I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not going to look it up because no one cares. All they care is if it's useful. Yes, it's and useful. Is it? It's useful in the sense that with the seats up, you can carry groceries. With the seats down. Uh, Finally. You can, you can do, <clears throat> excuse me. You can carry a decent amount of stuff, but it's not like it's not a huge vehicle, right? Don't think tires. This is, can you put tires in there? You can put a tire, two tires. 
I think what's important is to underscore that this is not an SUV. And I think that that's probably why it's called EUV, because they didn't want to kind of boost expectations. I think this is just kind of a, a bulkier, larger looking hatchback that has decent rear legroom. Honestly, I don't care. I'm fine with that. Um, they wanted to have two different versions of the Bolt to sell for some reason, and they do. Pretty much everything else about the vehicles is the same. I think this version, the EUV, has a little bit less range because it's a somewhat heavier. A I, I'm talking, again, this is a very small difference. Mm -hmm. um, the version that I drove, which is essentially the only version, this is it was the Premier trim, I guess, which is the high-end version. But uh, it has a 65-kilowatt-hour battery pack. It's 200 horsepower, 266 pound-feet of torque. It weighs like nearly 4,000 pounds, Sammy. Oof. Yeah, so it's not super fast. It's not slow. It's kind of right in the middle. You don't really get that kind of off the line. You feel that instant on torque. But, you know, when you're out on the highway, it feels very much like a normal vehicle. Okay. Uh, which is perfectly fine. I get what, it. What is a normal vehicle now? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I've lost the plot here. Cars have changed significantly over the past couple of years. I think five years. We don't know. I don't know what a normal vehicle is. Sammy. I would say it's a it's like a, the 1.5 turbo and a Civic. But I think people would call me a little like uh, daft for saying that. That's probably a little below um, the average. What do you think? 299 episodes ago. Yeah. What was a normal vehicle? I'm going to tell you the first. Okay. The first episode a we Camry? ever did. Well, the first episode we ever did, we didn't talk about a car. We talked about cars in general. But the yeah, second we talked episode, about Amazon Alexa, I think. Yes, the second episode we ever did was a Chevrolet Cruze. Okay, is that a normal car? Twenty sixteen. Back we're talking about. I I would think it's a pretty normal car. And back then you could get a diesel. I think you could get a one point eight turbo or something. Did they call those ones? Did those have different acronyms? The diesel was a D. D it was called the DUV, the Dove. The D <laughs> What's funny is our third episode was the Nissan GTR. So, like, we really, we really... The what in the GTR? The Nissan GTR was the third oh, episode. Yeah, so we went from, was. like, cruise to GTR. It was kind of funny. Anyway, um, but, yeah, I would say that normal vehicle... horsepower is a normal amount of power now. Yes. And okay. 266 pound-feet is kind of what you would get out of a small displacement turbo four, I would say. I dig that. Okay, great. The size is a interesting... The, the weight, especially, is an interesting addition to this conversation. Yeah, it's like 3,700 pounds. Cars have gotten significantly heavier over but the years, this right? Is the EV, but we don't right? feel that anymore, do we? Well, with, with EVs, with electric cars, I mean, if you were to throw the bolt around, it's not—it's mm -hmm. not a fun car to drive. It's perfectly fine, you know. I would—it's not an enthusiast car, and I think that that's the most important thing when approaching the bolt. And we'll talk about this when we get to pricing. But this is a car that GM built. I can't remember when it came out. I want to say 2017. But the idea was okay. You know what? We built the Volt, which was a plug-in hybrid slash thing we called electric. This is the next version of that. And the Volt was affordable. The Bolt's going to be even more affordable. And it kind of felt like Chevrolet was making a statement and saying, we can, we're going to beat Tesla to the punch, which they did in terms of making an inexpensive electric car. But yep. nothing really came from that, right? Like the Bolt just kind of created more Bolts. We didn't get a, 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 the next generation of compact sedans or hatchbacks based on this architecture. That's a very good point. Um, they decided to take, I guess, the learnings from the Bolt and apply it to a whole new 
um, architecture and platform that is wildly out of the bolts territory. Yeah, right? the Ultium, like, right? So, and that's the kind of thing. That's what's underneath vehicles as disparate as the Celestique from Cadillac, the GMC three hundred thousand dollar handmade EV by by Cadillac. Yeah, the then there's Sher- the Hummer EV. Yeah, Chevrolet Blazer and the Blazer SS. That's going to Cadillac be, Lyric. Yeah, so these are all Ultium vehicles, but they've all like left behind the Bolt. The Bolt doesn't take part in any of that. Where the Bolt does make... All the vehicles we just talked about are expensive. And when I say expensive, I mean like $40,000, $50,000 minimum, I think, for the Blazer. And $300,000... I think there's also an Equinox. Those have been priced already? I think so. I think the Blazer SS has. Uh, But the the Bolt is holding fast at like thirty one grand, I think, for the the base compact hatch. And then thirty three for the EUV. That's really affordable. I mean, we were talking before the show. If you wanted to get something similar, you're looking at the um, <clears throat> the Hyundai Kona, which is mm-hmm. like thirty three grand to start. The Leaf from Nissan, which is um, it's twenty eight thousand dollars if you want the one that has almost no range, and then if you want the larger battery pack that still has less range than the Bolt, it's thirty six thousand. So it's more expensive than all of them. Yep. And that's pretty much it. There's the Mini Cooper SE, which has, I think, 150 miles of range or something like that. It's There's not a lot there at the entry level. But GM has stayed true to the mission statement for the Bolt. Yes. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, what was the range of this Bolt again? I believe. EUV? Yeah, it's the EUV. I will, I will look to make sure. But I think it's 260 miles. Okay, so I'm going to I, – I, I hate to do this live on and on air, but I'm going to – 247, correct, sorry. I'm going to correct you real quick. Okay. The, they've announced um, hopeful pricing for the Equinox EV um, with a starting price of around $30,000. I don't know if that means $30,000 um, – yeah, it excludes any potential government incentives. And they believe that that car will have 250 miles of range. They're essentially making a larger bolt – in this Equinox EV in the base trim. So I don't know. It doesn't seem like progress. It seems like they made a bigger vehicle. They might be swallowing the cost a little bit, and they might be wanting to sell you the all-wheel drive models that are more more expensive and stuff. It does seem like progress, though, because if it is a bigger vehicle and it does have all-wheel drive, those are two things that the Bolt doesn't can't match. And if it is priced at that level, then you're getting, you're getting at least you're getting a bigger vehicle. You're getting more capability for the same money. So, that, okay. But that leads me to question: What happens to the Bolt when the Equinox EV comes out? It's gone. You're not going to get a small, like runabout kind of EV from Chevrolet. Is it gone, or are they going to dump it by lowering the prices and keeping it around? I mean, there's car companies that have that done that, great. right? That, like, you mean like the City Golf and City Jetta? No, I don't mean like that because those were Rogue not Select? really those were not really deals. Those were. I had a friend who worked at a Volkswagen dealership, and he told me that. When the City Golf and the City Jet, these are things you didn't, the, the American market never got these. Yeah, they, we're just talking gibberish now. So Volkswagen sold the previous generation of the Golf and the Jetta alongside the new one at several times in the last 20 years. And it didn't really save you money because parts were way more expensive for the older models. Like they, for whatever reason, they weren't in stock or they were just harder to get. And um, it ended up being a larger cost of ownership over the whole, whatever, five to six years you were going to own the car. Um, I would think it's, you know, having something like the Bolt where they, oh, the tooling is there, the technology is there, it's probably maybe even cheaper to build than the Ultium cars. Why not keep it around at a discount? I hope so. I actually really do hope so because currently the Bolt and the EUV are – they have attractive price points. They're, I think they're 
you know, when they're not catching on fire, they're pretty approachable by by consumers. They're not they're they're easy to get into. They're easy to drive. They don't have they have they have like a um, a recognizable um, exterior and interior design. They're not like complicated. Like, I don't know how else they're to say that. They're very right? simple. They're very basic. There is one complication though on this vehicle that can't be matched by any of the competitors that we've talked about outside of General Motors, and that's Super Cruise. Oh yeah, Super Cruise is great. Super Cruise is available only on the EUV version of the Bolt, which I don't get. You can't get it on the hatchback. I've tried to build one. I can't get it to happen. I don't know why. But I can tell you, Super Cruise is by far the best level two driving assistance out there. Um, it yeah. I used it for about a hundred. I, I took it on a hundred. I took this vehicle on a hundred fifty mile round trip and crossed the border with it. And I used these Super Cruise for probably eighty five percent of that. It only turned itself off a couple of times because it lost the lane markings on the highway I was on. Everywhere else, it worked flawlessly. Um, and every time it turns itself off, it flashes a big red light and makes a noise and you know what's happening. Yeah. I The version I had didn't have the auto lane switch. But to look – I don't think you could find another car at this price point, like in the 30s, that has a self-driving system that is anywhere near what this car has to offer. It's interesting that you would I, – I was reading someone saying that it's weird the Bolt has this feature because, like, it's not a road trip car because of the range and because it's kind of pretty basic inside. Um, I didn't have any problems with it on the road trip. It was reasonably comfortable. It did what it needed to do. It was also cold weather, and I had no range anxiety with it, which was nice. I didn't see really big fluctuations. It was pretty normal in terms of right around the zero mark or freezing okay. mark. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Super Cruise, is, that's a, a killer app for any car. Yep. And having it in this, it blows away any of the affordable EVs we were talking about. I think they really need to emphasize Super Cruise more and more. I feel like the only people who know about Super Cruise are us in the media or the people who listen to the um, media consistently. I don't think they talk about it on commercials or, or I don't know if people are picking up brochures anymore. But like, I'm not seeing any sponsored ads on my Instagram about Super Cruise. You know what I mean? It is strange because, I mean, Tesla makes such a big deal about its full self-driving, which doesn't even exist. But <laughs> exactly. like it's it's still something you can buy with the expectation that one day it will fulfill everything it's promised. And it's it's they do make it a big point uh, whenever the cars are presented from Tesla to include that. And GM doesn't do that for whatever reason, even with Cadillac, where we, uh, you know, we had it in uh, in the Escalade that we've both driven yep. this year. And I had it in the GMC Denali and it worked great. But like, do people know it's in the Denali? I don't think so. I think you're 100 percent right. I think that's interesting. Like I said, it, it is their killer app. It is their killer feature. It is the one thing that I've been so impressed with at GM over the past few years. And I think that everyone needs to know about it because once you experience it and it works as you as you just said it does, um, you'll be sold. But um, yeah. There is one real downside to the Bolt using an old architecture for its its battery technology. And that's when it comes to charging. Yes, that that is probably the biggest downside. Um, of the whole Bolt and Bolt EUV altogether, right? What's, yeah. What does this thing top out at in terms of charging speed? So it's 55 kilowatt. Um, we remember before when I was saying it's not really a road trip car. Yeah. This is one of those things that would be frustrating to you. Like it's it, that's like one third to one half what you would get from a Mustang Mach-E or a Hyundai Ioniq 5. Those are much more expensive cars, granted, and larger cars. But at the same time, like that's where the technology is going. You know, most of the time, I my expectations when I connect to a DC fast charger are above 100 kilowatts. That's right. what I want to see. 
and and a lot of the time I'm going to see 150 and some cars are going to crest 200 and that that's really impressive and that's the kind of thing where you know you're there for 20 minutes but with a bolt you're going to be there a lot longer uh, I, it's also funny because whenever I go to a, a supercharger, there's always a bolt there. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, there's never not a bolt. Um, my own personal use, my, I used my home charger with it. Mm-hmm. I also used a free charger at a supermarket I was at in New York. And that added, I think I got like 14 miles of range in 45 minutes for free, which is decent. Yeah. Uh, at home, I was able to charge in like four to six hours for the whole thing running at uh, 7.6 kilowatts. So if you're just using it for your day-to-day driving, it's perfect. You're not going to care about the slow aspect of its charging. But if you are someone who is going to be covering distance, you could get frustrated with that relatively quickly. But I mean, just to wrap things up, I don't want to talk too much more about the Bolt. I really like it as a day-to-day car, a cheap car. I think that it's very honest in the sense that its pricing reflects the features that you're getting. That's so rare <laughs> in yeah. the market these days. Uh, I'm really happy to see that. I'll be sad when the Bolt is gone and we're all driving Equinox EVs because um, I don't know if GM will make the the effort to make another EV car, a small EV car. It might just be all SUVs from this point. So anyway. They're not the only one. I mean, other people are going that, that direction. Right? No, I know, but it's just... The Leaf and the Bolt and the Mini are kind of the only real cars out there in the compact segment that are electrified right now, I think. Okay. Right? Yeah, but, yeah. So that's only three. I don't know what, what to call like the, I don't know what to call those other cars. Like, I don't know what to call the Nero or the, I think those are mostly crossovers. I, think Ionic, probably, I don't know what the heck that is. They probably, that's they, also expensive, but, and they're a lot bigger. Yes. You know, so it's, it's once it's gone, it's going to be gone forever or until the pendulum swings towards cars again. Okay. Anything but, else? Come on, tell me. No, I mean, that's it. I, I want to hear about Sammy. You drove a, I, a vehicle that was recently refreshed. Uh, we were, we're talking about a vehicle that's probably at the end of its lifespan, but you drove one that's kind of in the middle and just got a, a, a facelift and a whole bunch mm-hmm. of cup holders and all sorts of exciting things, but it still isn't quite where it needs to be, according to what you've told me. I'm. Are you sure you don't want to talk about your car anymore? Because I don't want to talk about my car. I will give you five minutes to make a case for why you don't want to talk about your car starting okay. now. <clears throat> I drove the 2023 Subaru Ascent. It is currently um, a refresh of a car that's five years old and a vehicle that I thought um, when it debuted five years ago, I thought it would actually be um, kind of well-received by people. Subaru has a had a checkered history making big SUVs for some for its customers. They used to have a vehicle called the Tribeca. The B9 Tribeca. The B9 Tribeca. Every time I see was, one, I take a photo. It's an event. <laughs> and send me and you just spam me with these B9 inform- this B9 information. But... The B9 was a bit of a dud because it was um, big, it was expensive, um, it tried to be upscale. Small inside. And it was very small inside. So Subaru, when they decided to reapproach the three-row market, they decided to do everything opposite of that. They made a vehicle that was big on the outside and on the inside, um, uh, and one that was fairly affordable. That started um, at just over $30,000, which is actually pretty, pretty good for a three-row crossover. It's no Bolt, but I'll take it. The problem is they did this when i i think the problem is they did this when a bunch of other automakers um entered re-entered or completely redesigned their three-row offering so when the ascent came out um we end up seeing these what's it called the volkswagen atlas show up yeah. we saw the the telluride from kia and the Santa, hyundai Santa palisade palisade yeah palisade 
And even like Highlander got um, a pretty significant update over that over that time as well. And for a vehicle that should have been popular, in my opinion, for those reasons, being really a budget-oriented, space-oriented crossover, the Ascent just got left out to dry. Like, like nobody lost really in the shuffle, right? Like absolutely, totally lost. So now, as the refresh has come, we're hoping that maybe I, I not we are. I think Subaru is hoping that its refresh will help it stay relevant in this in this really tightly contested market. Um, and I'll be clear. It isn't. It is not. It is not significantly um, updated in a way that Subaru would probably want. I still think it's an excellent choice for people who need um, a budget-oriented, large uh, crossover. But I also still believe that you know minivans would probably be a better choice for so many more people. Well, name, name four, no, three crossovers in its class that are better. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Uh, Telluride and Palisade. That's two. Okay. I also think. Um, I haven't driven it in a while, but I do think that the three-row, uh, wait, what's it called? Traverse? When I drove the Traverse last, I was very I was very impressed, but that was a couple of years ago, or at least two years ago, so maybe I, I should include that. I'll go, I'll, go into the, I'll go into the Pathfinder. I think the Pathfinder is excellent. Okay. We're at three. Um, and and all, of those, all those vehicles have been around a lot longer than the Ascent 2. No, that's not yes. true. The no, Kia and the Palisade have it, but... But the traverse and the, and the, and the new generation Pathfinder is, is like new. I guess I just meant as a name as a as a name oh, for yeah. the company, yeah. Whereas like Subaru is kind of trying to do things over again. Um, it, it's it's you know, I'm trying to think of the the fourth one, and I'm I'm I mean I think the Highlander goes. What about the Explorer or the Pilot? The Explorer and the um, Highlander are like lead this class. Like everyone is as far as it the class is concerned, everyone is buying these two cars. Yeah. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the, those purchases, which I think is kind of rare. I kind of agree with the the market. Um, occasionally, people just buy whatever is available to them, or whatever they have the best incentives on, or whatever has the, the you know the the reputation for being really reliable. There's also like the Mazda CX-9. Yeah, excellent car, absolutely. And that's something that I think I would recommend over the the Ascent. I'm not sure how they line up price wise, but. Uh, styling, driving experience. I mean, but but what did change on the ascent for 2024, or 2023? Right off the bat, you, right off the bat, you'll see that it has a new front end and rear end design, um, fog lights and that sort of jazz. And um, we've got some more technology inside. It now comes with standard wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, which is very handy. I'm um, I was also impressed with. Um, the infotainment system. Now it's got a standard 11-inch screen that you've seen in other Subaru vehicles. But um, the infotainment system has been recently updated. And now when you use Android Auto, which is what I like to use, it uses up a, a significant chunk of the screen, which is very useful. Like, really, you have no idea how sad the previous um, implementation of Android Auto was, where it was you had this massive screen on these, on these vehicles, and it would just be this tiny... Um, Android Auto display that was no bigger than your phone. It Almost was absolutely like an embarrassing. Absolutely. But now it uses up a, a, a huge chunk of it. There's also like one of these built-in PA systems um, that other automakers have uh, introduced. I think they call it Cabin Connect, which is um, as creative of a name as you can come up with. It um, is a one-way system, which I think is also very funny. It is one way for the uh, driver to communicate to their rear seat passengers without having to take their, you know, turn around and, and um, face them and shout at them. Well, when you're on an airplane, you can't talk back to the pilot, right? Like, that that makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. 
I mean, maybe, you, maybe. Do you want to? Don't you want to though? No, I don't want to distract them. I'm not. I don't even know what goes. They're not on. doing anything. They've got autopilot on. I don't even know what goes on in the cockpit, and I'm frankly, I'm more comfortable that way. Okay, um, and then it's got that um, Subaru robot that watches your every mo- your every move. Uh, there's these driver facing cameras that ensure that you are always looking out the front um, windshield. It is a little. Less- you're going to laugh at me. It's a little less um, intervening this time around. I, I, it took me a while for me to uh, get its attention. It's because you're wearing a mask. <laughs> Maybe. That eye, uh, co- that eye like, covering. Like, if you yeah, had, it was like, around Halloween. It wasn't like a face mask. If you like wore a, a mask, mask that had like additional eyes. <laughs> yeah. You think it'll, it would struggle. I, I'm wondering if which eyes it would determine we're looking ahead and which eyes it would determine were false. And if there's any logic in the, in the, in the Subaru robot – that says, wait a minute, humans don't have four eyes. <laughs> That's a good point. We should uh, we should take a look at that, honestly. Um, Your car is being stolen by an extraterrestrial. Yeah. Or a demonic force. They've also updated the... for either of those things. Neither am I, which is really troubling. I, I should really add that to my policy. Just the phone calls with the agent was a huge hassle. I gave up. I think, I think the agent might have been an extraterrestrial. I mean, they almost always are. Shout out to ET agents listening. We respect, um, we respect your work. Well, yeah, sure. Insurance is awful, man. What's that? Insurance is awful. I'm, I'm just saying, if we have any listeners who are in the insurance industry, I'm not. Oh, yes, to, that's very true. I'm Our not listeners... going to alienate them just because you have a weird hatred of man. extraterrestrial life that sells insurance. I that, pay too much for insurance. Don't you pay too much for insurance? That's your strangest prejudice, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> talking about oh yeah safety um the ascent also has an updated version of their eyesight um suite of driver assistance features you might remember eyesight uses these two cameras that are mounted at the top of the windshield um now how many cameras are in this vehicle <laughs> that's way too many they've added a third camera to eyesight what which is very interesting <laughs> yeah um is that so... tri vision how does that work yeah exactly um which is Short-sighted is the way they described it. It is a um, wide-angle mono camera that works with the eyesight system. <laughs> is, that, is there something comical about the wide-angle wide mono angle camera? Wide-angle mono camera. Like, that sounds like something I would buy from, like, Alibaba. Or, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, eBay. And, yeah. Uh, I, I, and when it arrives, I had like a 50% chance it's it's like two cameras. <laughs> and I really want to laugh. I want you to laugh with me about how they try to explain to me what an improvement this um, uh, these eyesight technologies were. First of all, they updated the original two cameras and they said that combined, the two cameras have an increased view of 68%. Okay. Okay. When you add the wide angle mono camera, that increases by 50%. So now I don't know what they're talking about. So now about. you can see 108%, 118%. I don't even More know. More than before? I don't think so. Does that mean it's looking behind you at the same time? Or is it, wait, wait, is it just straight up? Is it like, yeah. because it's honestly, for things fall, like drones falling from the if sky. If you're worried about extraterrestrial theft, you would want a camera that is pointing straight up at all times. Absolutely. I think that's 100% what it's doing. Um, the other element about the ascent that Subaru was extremely um, stressing about this vehicle, they made sure that everybody paid attention. It has 19 cup holders. Well, that's because some extraterrestrial thieves have 19 arms and 18 to 19 orifices with which they need to keep moist or drink liquid through. 
Um, 19 cup, cup holders is a lot. Tech, like, I think, technically speaking, and and uh, figuratively, this is a ton of these are. That's too many cup. That's holders, almost right? three cup holders per person. I used to I used to laugh at how. Remember when like there used to be a common criticism of Porsches that they would have flimsy or or no cup holders. Yeah. And Subaru was like, we'll never have that problem ever. That's <laughs> never going to hit. That's never going to. Subaru is like, here's one way we can distance ourselves from Porsche. <laughs> yeah. It's in the a cup holder arena. Yes. This is where but, this and ca- and robot cameras are going to be the two areas where we trump Porsche German engineering. Yeah. Um, otherwise, the car is essentially the same as it was before. It still packs a 2.4-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine that makes, like, uh, let's say 260 horsepower and 277 horsepower. And let's hope that I'm right with that number. I haven't looked it up. I haven't memorized it. Or and, and you don't like it. It's still not enough for you. Basically, basically, this car is not enough. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a placeholder car, in your opinion. It is an okay motor. I'll say um, the CVT tuning on this is pretty good. It... Leaps off the line in that really uncanny Subaru CVT way that is like, oh, wow, I put in too much. I tipped in too much there, which is what happens with so many um, automatic Subarus. It's exciting, though. It gets the blood flow. (laughs) Do you have this happen as well? I feel like I've had it happen a few times. And and, and, And not only is it like too quick. But because the because the revs rise so rapidly, it's loud, too. It's like, and and you have to. Yeah, it's like a little Um, bit of a slap. Additionally, they they do mention that um, you can get up to 5,000 pounds of towing in this vehicle. The base models are significantly limited because I don't think they have the cooling to associate itself with with towing. Um, There was another thing I wanted to add about this vehicle. It can be had with seven or eight passengers. There's a ginormous bench seat in in the second row. And there was one more. Ben, help me with it. Um... What was it? First letter S, second letter Oh, it somehow got worse in terms of fuel economy by one uh, mile per gallon. Oh, wow. Than the last. really surprising. I wonder if it's a weight (laughs) thing or or aero or something like that. Which is funny because according to the press um, information I have is that they have... You're going to love this. The new front bumper covers uh, a feature... The new front bumper cover features new lower edge air ducts to improve aerodynamic flow under the vehicle. Well, I guess that's what happened. I kind of got... makes you wonder, like, how bad it would be if it didn't have those ducts. <laughs> like... I don't know. And additionally, you got worse fuel economy here. Yeah. So, it's probably weight then. The car is also about $1,000 more expensive than the um, outgoing model. In Canada, it's actually a significant chunk. It's about it's closer to three or $4,000. I, I was wondering if the Canadian one, it might be because it offers more equipment than the U.S. base. Yeah, they... they I don't think they, they offer more equipment than the U.S. base, um, but it is more more equipment than the outgoing um, um, 2022 model. A, I mean, that's always a popular strategy, right? Like, if you have a slow-selling vehicle, maybe... Yeah, make it more expensive. Well, maybe people aren't buying the base model, so you just kind of erase the base model and then make the next step up the new base model with more gear and that you can justify your price by like, oh, we're giving you so much more stuff, but you're not giving anyone anything. <laughs> no, you're really not. Um, I'm, I'm sad. Like, I honestly, I don't think it's a bad product. It's just not great. And it, I mean, it wasn't great before and it still isn't like fantastic. It's you wanted a it to be good. It's definitely, because it has potential, I think. That motor really isn't that bad. The technology is really not that bad. The space is excellent. The pricing was, was really aggressive. 
what's wrong with it, right? Well, um, I can tell you what's wrong with it. There's no wilderness trim. Did you ask Subaru why there's no Ascent wilderness? I ha- I haven't um, specifically asked them, but another thing that I want to talk about... 37-inch tires? Yeah, that would be great, really. If we had issues with the sound, you, you'll need the, the cabin connect system for that model, right? Yeah, seriously. So people can hear you over the tire noise. Good luck. Um, over the tire was... noise and the metal that I'm blasting <laughs> while I go through that mud pit. There is um, an interesting thing to talk about, though. When the Ascent debuted, it was in, Amer- in North America only product. And now that's no longer the case. It now has a, a a worldwide model which doesn't carry the same name. It's called Ascent Two. No, it's called the Evoltis or something like that. <laughs> okay, all right. What are you laughing at? Because it's like you should never That's have a great name, right? You should never have a a E-Voltis. name yep. where if you add the letter R to the beginning, it becomes something else. <laughs> also, you probably shouldn't put the word Volt in a car that's not electrified. Yeah, so apparently what had happened is um, when they trademarked this name, a lot of people thought this was going to be their new electric vehicle. Of course. <laughs> because, duh. Um, and it turns out that turned out to be the Solterra, and the Avoltis is the one that's being used in um, some markets overseas. Solterra sounds like a drug that would be advertised to me late, late at night on a cable channel. Solterra? But Solterra. what about Evoltis? Evoltis sounds like the cure for what Solterra does to your body. I don't know. Evoltis sounds like um, a knockoff Transformer bug. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe. I mean, Solterra is not a terrible name, but it's like the reason I say like drug commercials, because it's it's like generic enough where you know that they're not really trying to evoke anything so much. Like it sounds kind of like Volt. It sounds kind of like Soul, like the sun, but it's neither of those things. Anyways, Evoltis is not as great. No, Evoltis, not Evolt. But I will say this, Solterra is a way better name than what Toyota chose for the, their version of the (laughs) Solterra, which is like BZ492X78 or some crazy like alphanumeric thing that I can never remember. The extraterrestrials are getting that though. That's the, that really. um... Extraterrestrials and ham radio operators. That's like (laughs) the two, the target market for that Toyota EV4X. So that's my take on the um, and on the ascent. One of the most interesting things that happened to me is immediately after um, publishing the story on the Subaru Ascent, it turns out that uh, there was a very heavy recall that occurred on the previous models that just kept ca- catching fire. So <laughs> that's that's how we relate it to the first car in this in this podcast. This so m- moving on from the ascent, moving on from the bolt, um, we wanted to let all of our listeners know. That we still have our contest going on for the Rich Energy book, Sammy. Isn't that correct? Yeah, the Rich Energy book. We still have um, the contest going on all throughout the um, month. So basically, it'll be a, uh, I guess, uh, a Christmas present or a 300th episode celebration or something. Yeah, I don't it's know. A new, it's a New Year's, a New Year's celebration. You know, yeah, if you all get, of those things. What we're offering you for for the the for your your reading pleasure is. Racing with Rich Energy, which is a book about the racing, uh, the, the Rich Energy Formula One sponsorship scandal that happened with Haas Racing in, in 2019. It's written by Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King. We have an extra copy, and it is a fantastic, fun read about all the crazy stuff that happens when an energy drink company that has no money fools everyone into Formula One 
fools everyone in Formula One into thinking that they are the next Red Bull. So all you have to do to get this book is send us an email uh, the old-fashioned way, benjamin at benjaminhunting.com, or use the contact form on the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Just send us a message between now and the end of the year, right up until midnight on the 31st, and you'll be entered in the contest, and we're going to do a drawing for the book, which we will send anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Anywhere. We're, we're willing to do it. We'll send sure. it underseas. We'll send it into low Earth orbit. We will send it to, oh, I, I, I guess, you know, Nunavut. We will send it to Australia. It doesn't no matter. No problem. Yeah. We're, we're on episode, we're, almost, we're reaching episode 300. We have that kind of uh, slate. We have the ability to go to the post office. We, have, <laughs> we are not afraid to leave our homes. We are past all of that. That is in the rearview mirror. Um, speaking of other... Uh, ways to contact us. We have uh, people, uh, listeners who reach out to us. Uh, we, we're available on Twitter. Sammy's at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. I'm on Instagram at Hunting Benjamin. And we have uh, listeners who reach out to us on a regular basis. We kind of wanted to do a recap of some recent feedback we got. Uh, I wanted to shout out to Justin for the kind words that were recently sent in. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for listening. And also want to shout out to Ed for the poem he sent us about the C8 Corvette. Uh, Sammy is still blushing about that one. <laughs> that was that was very entertaining. Uh, we we also had uh, listener Garrett reach out to us about the EQS. A couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on the Mercedes-Benz EQS. And I think one of the things we complained slash joked about was it doesn't have a frunk. And we started to wonder, hey, what's underneath the hood up front so that's so important that we can't put a frunk there? And uh, Garrett actually sent me a bunch of links um, to people who managed to open up the hood of the EQS. Sammy, it's funny because if you look in the Mercedes-Benz owner's manual, like the online one or the, if you get a paper one, there's yep. all these warnings that are like, don't open the hood. Don't yep. ever open the hood. There's nothing serviceable under there. But what they did was they left a hood release under the dash. You can get it. It's like a mechanical release. And here's how much they don't want you to do this. It'll pop the hood, but there's no hood prop. Like there's, oh, nothing, no. there's no hydraulics. There's nothing to hold it up. So you have to hold it while you gaze down upon what looks like just a whole bunch of electric stuff that's, that you really shouldn't be touching. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's it, cooling, isn't it? Uh, Sammy, I don't know. I'm not an EQS technician and I didn't touch anything. So thanks to Garrett for sending that in. And uh, finally, wrapping things up, uh, Vyacheslav sent me the most the, the most hilarious and frustrating story on Instagram about the time they went uh, into rural BC. They were on a road trip in, a, in, in an EV, EV and they ended up in a town with with the, 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 they had used the internet to find a town that had a charger and they planned on stopping in this town to charge. But when they got to the town, the, the charger needed internet access. To function, Sammy, have you ever been in this position? Yes, I have. I've also been in a situation where, um, like, I just had no internet coverage at the charger, what and did you I would do? have to. I had to find. The, like, fortunately, it was by a brewery, and so <laughs> this sounds like an excuse, doesn't it? <laughs> fortunately, it was by an opium den. <laughs> yeah, so I asked them for their Wi-Fi, and uh, I I managed to start the charging from there. Uh, across the parking lot. So, so Vyacheslav ended up in this town with no internet at all, like on on the on the phone, nothing, and started going to like, okay, I'll just go to a as restaurant. like a philosophy. Yeah, uh, he, he went to a, a restaurant, went to a cafe, um, and everywhere they went, 
There was no internet. It was people were just like, yeah, there's no internet in this town. Sorry, you're not going to have any internet. And and there was no way to start this charger without getting the without using the internet to like create an account or or activate the the system, all of this stuff. They eventually ended up figuring things out, got back to the hotel, everything was okay, but it took a long time and it was super frustrating. And this is he sent me this story just because we had talked about how difficult it can be to charge an electric car. And this is a, this is a scenario where you would figure if you show up at a gas station, you don't need the internet to put gas in your, in your internal combustion car. If you show up at a charging station and the people in that area know that there's no internet, why would you make it a requirement to use the system? That just seems crazy to me. It's the weirdest thing is that they've taken something that is so like, like simple, right? Like to, Plug a, an item into an electric port. We do it all day, every day. I mean, I've, we yes. plug things into into outlets, right? Yes. And same with tra- filling, refueling a car. You just put it into the hole and press the button. That's all you got to do. And, uh, and, the, and why the, have they inter- introduced this convoluted sign up? Uh, you know, answer uh, a skill testing <laughs> question. Download six apps. The other crazy thing is, like from the description, this is a very small town. It's out of the way. They can't have that many electric cars there, right? So why not make it free? It's not like it's going to be in constant use 24-7 by people who are draining the town dry of electricity. It's great to have this charger there so people can drive there and feel confident about using it. But if you get there and it doesn't work whatsoever, I mean, you're, you're only just... I'm not going to mention the name of the town. and You're only besmirching your own reputation. It seems really insane. Anyway, the story was told to me in a very entertaining way. I enjoyed the conversation. So thank you for for reaching out with that uh it may it i mean i felt so bad that it happened but i was entertained the entire time i was listening to it very i'm very thankful that we have that story and i'm thankful for our listeners for sending us such um messages and adding on over to our website unnamed automotive podcast and um listening to our podcast for over nearly 300 episodes we're, we're gonna be really eager to celebrate that milestone for no reason, right? <laughs> We're gonna, I'm going to be doing the podcast with a cake beside me, and I'm just going to be heaving huge handfuls of cake into my cake hole the entire time. So it might be a bit of a muffled podcast, but I can tell you what I'm going to be talking about, Sammy. What, what am I going to be talking about? You tell me. I'm not gonna, I don't know. What are you going to talk about? That's a really great question. I'm going to be talking about <laughs> potentially the least exciting vehicle we could have talked about for an anniversary episode. It is the Honda CRV, the all-new Honda CRV. Oh, so no, this is exciting. There's so many new things to talk about. The there Honda is. It's, it's completely different. It's a very popular vehicle, and I do have a bunch of things to say about it. I'll be talking to you about a car that we haven't tested yet, which is the, I want to make sure I get the name right, Genesis Electrify G80. Okay. Which is an electric version of the G80. Can I pop the hood sure. on that, or is that also verboten? I haven't tried. I'm sure you can. All right. Well, All right, I'll let you know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye.